Welcome to God's Glorious Grace, a podcast from Hope Church Harrogate, where we are asking the question, have we really understood the grace of God? We're taking a deep dive into Ephesians chapter 1, considering a phrase of that chapter in each episode, and asking first what it teaches us about God, and second, how that affects our lives, hopefully with a good dose of warmth and fun along the way. Thanks for joining us. The safest, most powerful, most wonderful place I can be is serving the Lord and loving the Lord. We've spent a lot of time over the last uh, nine, ten weeks looking at how grace impacts us and our everyday lives. But here, Paul won't let us settle there because our receiving of grace is part of something that's so much bigger. It's, It's bigger than the earth. It's cosmic in scope. Welcome to this episode 11 of our journey through Ephesians chapter 1, looking at God's glorious grace. I am joined once again by my good friends Mark and Rachel. Hi guys. Hi. Uh, we are still distanced in our own homes uh, on the wonderful media of Zoom. How did we do life before Zoom? Literally a year ago, I'd never heard of it, but here we are on Zoom yet again. Uh, chewing over some incredible words uh, from the Apostle Paul about God's grace this, well, it's this afternoon, but today, whenever you're listening, uh, and uh, excited to see what we've got in store. We're going to start by reading. Um, We're at the bit of Ephesians chapter one where it starts to get a little bit complicated and Paul chucks in a load of commas and clauses and probably some semicolons and hyphens and other good punctuation if he used them in the Greek. Uh, So we're going to read and then we're going to ask the question about what on earth is going on. So Rachel, we're coming to you to read some of Ephesians chapter one to set our phrase today in context. Sure. Now I have a question here because we were having this discussion about versions and things. There is a bit of punctuation question around where we start this sentence. And so where would you like me to start the sentence? Because Throughout things, sometimes punctuation gets a bit missed. And so my sentence starts with, with all wisdom and understanding. Are we happy with that? I think we're very happy with that. Just checking. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, with which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Great. Thanks. So that's Ephesians 1, halfway through 8, isn't it? Yes. Brilliant. Just in case you wondered where we'd started from there. Um, And so I, I kind of prefaced it. I set us up for it, didn't I? Sometimes when you're reading Paul's writing, what you find is he starts qualifying and comparing and sticking clauses in. And I know for me, if I'm reading it and I'm reading it quickly, what happens is I go blah, 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 blah. And I get to the next paragraph. And I think like we, we've all done that, haven't we? Yeah. Uh, it's not just in the uh, genealogies that we go blah, blah, blah. Sometimes <laughs> in Paul, we go there too, because it can be really difficult to follow what's going on and to actually get to the heart of it. So here's the first question. What is going on in this sentence? I like what Peter says. 
our brother Paul is sometimes hard to understand. <laughs> and I think that's, uh, that could be our get out of jail card. Um, I, I think in one of the things that's being said here is that having made this extraordinary list of God's grace being dispensed towards us, we actually are now getting our eyes by Paul shifted back to almost where we started with praise be to the magnificence of Jesus. And that though God's intention is to lavish on us his grace and his love to redeem us to himself in the eternal cosmic purpose of God. It's about Jesus being at the center of everything. So I think one of the things Paul is doing here is dragging this away from ourselves to remind us Actually, there is a purpose beyond us. There is something greater than us. And it's not a something, it's a someone. And his name is Jesus. And, and, and we know for Paul, from the other things that we've said, for Paul, Jesus is absolutely magnificent and worthy of everything. He, he, he is beyond knowing, but he surpasses is everything for this Jesus. And, and I think Paul can't help himself but get us back uh, in one sense to say, no, this is about Jesus. Come on. Yes. Do I jump in with anything there, Rach? Well, yeah, I think you summarized it really well. I think you summarized it really well when we were talking before. If, if you could just summarize that, <laughs> that, that whole thing in a sentence, I think it was really helpful to me to hear because because I think sometimes we we, we read it, and I, ju I just need a phrase to, to to get that. Could you describe it again for me? Can you? Yes, I've no idea. Well, I've no idea what I said. But how I do this when I'm trying to understand a dense bit of scripture is I just go through clause by clause. So with all wisdom and understanding, you know that's very straightforward. He God made known to us the mystery of His will. So He was revealing something that He wanted to do. According to his good pleasure, he's pleased about it. So he's revealing his will, which he purposed in Christ. This is what Jesus coming was all about. Uh, and it would be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment. So God is um, making known his will, which was about Jesus, which is going to happen when the times reach their fulfillment. That's a confusing phrase. But I think we're going to see what it's about in a minute, because this plan about Jesus was to bring everything in heaven and earth underneath Jesus as Lord. So God's plan was always, and it was always he was always pleased to do it, to bring everything under Jesus. And I think therefore we can see the times reach their fulfillment has to be about his return, which is where this is really revealed fully and made manifest. So really what's going on in the sentence is uh, God's revealing his plan to bring everything under the rule of Jesus. And he's really pleased about it. I love it. And he's really pleased about it. <laughs> we get those little insights into God's heart that it's not just like God's got this plan, but also God's got this plan that he really likes. And I love that. I just love the heart of God in this. This little insight yes. Paul gives us, I think, is is delightful. And I yes. think there's those two things in there, isn't there? There's the, the mystery stuff and the revealing of something. And and the lordship, and I think I think Mark has has been so uh, just wonderful in expounding that kind of lordship stuff for us. But maybe would it be helpful to start with the mystery stuff? 
Yes, I think it would. Let's try and stay in part one, looking at the mystery stuff and save the mystery stuff for part two, for part two. So in terms of the the walking out of mystery, let's keep that bit. But there's mystery. I mean, that's what does this verse tell us? There is the mystery of his will. So what does this tell us about God? Yeah, I think in simplest terms, it, it tells us that there is things about God that are not known to us. But what he has made known to us brings us comfort because what we don't know, we can trust him about. When you think of what God has revealed of his nature, he is faithful, of his nature that he is good that he is a compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love. All, in fact, sometimes we, we, we try to look into the New Testament for the revelation of God because we're not sure we like the Old Testament revelation of God so much. And yet when Moses said, reveal, show me your glory, and God says, I, I will pass by you, what is the measure of God's glory? I am a compassionate God, mm. slow to anger, forgiving to the thousandth generation, he reveals himself and in his glory as being a God whom actually we can trust in. Mm. And so uh, there, is, there is that which is known to us by God, uh, 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 revealed by God to us, and there's stuff that is not. And, of course, that is the delineation between us being created and him being the creator, the supreme being, the other one. He stands apart. Why does he stand apart? He is uncreated, the uncreated mm. eternal one. And we are, are created. But what he has revealed helps us be comfortable with what we don't know, what is not revealed for us. Mm. Mm. Yes, there's both. And uh, mm. anyone who tells you that there's only one and not the other isn't talking to you about the Christian God. Mm. Uh, anyone that thinks they fathomed the greatest mysteries of God uh, is probably not worth listening to. One book I found really helpful in this is called God is Stranger by Krish Kandaya. And it's it's fascinating. He really weaves into sort of this this idea that that God is God is not always what we think. I think, and it really challenged me in terms of if I've I've made God so understandable that sometimes I become uncomfortable with His mystery, and and that that it is a good thing that God is mis- that that God has mystery that He is beyond what I can understand. Uh, that isn't something that I need to conquer or or try to to get on top of, but to to become comfortable with and delight in, and to see the the strangeness and the the mystery of God in scripture uh, and honor that and admire that and be comfortable with that. I think it's a really interesting part of the Christian journey. Yes. And I think it, it's useful tying as this verse does the words mystery and will together. We don't always understand quite what God is doing or why he's doing it. And uh, that we've touched on that. And a few times as we've gone through this topic of grace, haven't we? Um, why has he said no i don't know you know what why am i in the situation i don't we're not always going to know exactly what's going on or why it's happening but um, famous verses one can quote can't they we know for we know in all things he works for the good of those who love him who are called according to his purpose 
it, there are moments you go, well, I don't know, but I can trust. Mm. Um, and there's wisdom. That's where this is where the clauses that you know describe it all are really helpful with all wisdom and understanding. Uh, his good pleasure. That's actually really helpful when we start talking about the things mm. of his will that we cannot understand. Yeah, and, and yet he me, isn't a God who just says, "I'm mysterious and tough. Deal with it." He's woo. a God who. Yeah, I'm so mysterious. But he's a mysterious God who reveals himself and reveals what we need when we need it and when his when his will designs it. And I, I love that. He's a God who wants to be known but can never be fully known. And it's, that, it's holding both, which I love. I'm sorry, Mark, I interrupted you. No, it's fine. Uh, I was going to say, when we look through Scripture, of course, we do see, and you've got to be really careful here, but we do see a progressive revelation of God. So to Moses, he said to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, uh, as I revealed myself as I can't remember what it was, is Yahweh. But to you, I'm going to reveal myself as Lord. Mm. Now, oh, so there's a new facet of God being revealed. And you see that sort of progressive um revelation so paul later on in ephesians says I i've seen this mystery it's what the prophets were pointing to but i've seen this mystery but now through the church the revel uh, the manifold wisdom of god is to be revealed and so we do see a progressive revelation now the reason i hesitated was we don't want to go outside of the boundary of scripture like some are doing right now and saying, well, God has now shown me this, this and this about himself. And yes. um, we, we, we must, our, you know, sadly, it's that Adam and Eve thing. I want to know more what I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and the temptation of Satan, as we know, was, well, you will be like God. In other words, you will understand him. You will know him. And, and they s fell for that. We must be aware that the enemy still has the same tactic. But actually, there is progressive revelation through scripture of who God is. But it is what is fully known. Out just before we were uh, coming on air, I, I said there's a verse that very recently has, has gripped my attention, and I hadn't seen it uh, before, from uh, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 12, which says, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. Now, God in his eternal wisdom has bounded things for us to know freely, and but bounded things that we are not to know. And, and that, that reinforces the reality that he is God. So I know we're in this section, in this part of this uh, podcast, looking at what's it tell us about God? Well, it's telling me that there is, there are aspects of God, of his decisions, of his ways that are not freely revealed to us and not revealed by the spirit to us. Therefore, they're not for us to know. Uh, and we just have to be faithful because there, there is this thing, you know, I think it's in Proverbs where it says that uh, there's there's things hidden for kings to dig out uh, of God. Um that doesn't mean we can go beyond what is consistent and under the authority of what scripture has been revealed to us. Uh, and I think some of what we call new revelation is often the recovery of revelation. 
So like the father heart of God, it's something that's been recovered to us in our generation in a beautiful way. But the father heart of God is right the way through uh, through scripture. Um, and, and I think we just we just have to go with that peace that actually, no, God is this. There is mystery uh, to God without it being an excuse for our sloppiness uh, uh, and our frustration when something hasn't worked out in the way we want mm. or um, my weakness in digging out and searching out for who is this God. And, and I will say, and I, I've been a Christian now for some 53 years. It's extraordinary. And, and, and I do have these silly thoughts. But earlier this year, before lockdown, I thought to myself, you know, I've given my life to Jesus. Do I really? Have I really understood and worked through who, who he was? And it set me on a journey of reading through the Gospel of John with a commentary by my side going, I want to know him. I just want to know him more. And I think that's that's the wonder of it. So we mustn't be sloppy. And say, oh, it's just mystery. It's too big to know. No, that that's not helpful to us at all. Yeah. And I think that's where this you're right. It's, it's helpful both to see the progressive revelation in Scripture, but also helpful to see that Jesus is the true representation of the father's being. He's, he's the final revelation. And so once you get to Jesus, that's the plan is revealed. Right there. Very good. You know, the, it, yes. there's not this whole new massive component that God hasn't shown us yet that's going to be revealed next year. And I think, and I've often thought, imagine being Moses. You know, you're just in the desert. You had harbored all these thoughts for your people to be made free and the injustice of the situation. You've run away and you've settled yourself for this new life. And then suddenly God appears to you in a burning bush and you discover that. God is bigger than you understood and it is his purpose to do what you wanted, but he's going to do it a different way. And, and wow, that must have been quite the moment. But then you get to Jesus, you go, no, that he has revealed how he's going to do it, who he's going to do it. This was always the, this was always the plan. It wasn't, it wasn't that God tried law and it failed. So he, he went for Jesus. No, no, the plan was always from eternity past that this was the way he was going to do it. And I think that's, that's helpful when it comes to carrying mystery and Old Testament and Jesus together. Let's talk lordship then quickly because it reveals Jesus as Lord. Everything is under him. I think I um, I remember hearing someone teach not too long ago and they were talking about how in the whole of the New Testament, it never talks about how as human beings we have authority over someone else. In mm. fact, the only place it ever talks about it is where a husband has authority over his wife's body. And she has authority mm. over his body. And uh, mm. just if we could get that into our heads in terms of how we relate to one another, that would be really helpful. Yet here, clearly, Jesus is over all things because everything is under him. And there, mm. there is an authority that's unparalleled in Jesus mm. that's revealed in this scripture, which is so helpful to make sure that we have our heads around with this topic of grace. Mm. I think there's a safety in it. I think sometimes when we talk about the Lordship of God, uh, our brains go to, it's all about obedience. Like, oh, this is, this is where the law comes in. This is where all the stuff that I have to do comes in because he's in charge. And I think for me, 
there's something about the safety of a God who is beyond anything I can understand, who understands all, who understands all hearts, who understands how the world is put together, who, who created and made it all, having plans, purposes, and, and commands means that the safest, most powerful, most wonderful place I can be is serving the Lord and loving the Lord who calls me friend and child uh, also, but that, that sense of, of safety of, no, there is someone who knows exactly what's going on, who can guide me, lead me and hold me, I think is really, um, really significant. And it makes me want to obey, not, not only out of my love, but out of wanting to be in that place of, of the right place at the right time. This may be a totally American example. And so therefore we may want to cut it out, but my dad is a police officer. <laughs> and, uh, and therefore as a kid, I grew up as a police officer as child uh, in a, in Los Angeles where gangs would follow us home and there were drive-by shootings and all sorts of stuff. And so there was this thing of, of my dad would say, if I tell you you need to do something, you need to do it immediately. And I always need you on my left-hand side because my gun side is my right-hand side because there were situations that we would get into where I needed to obey and I needed to obey quickly to enable him to be who he needed to be, enable me to be safe. And there was, I never was like, don't tell me what to do. I was like, I want to be in that place of obedience and safety. And, you know, I was in a shooting when I was a kid and my dad was there and, and I knew how to obey and stay safe. And there's, there's just this joy of having someone bigger and more powerful and more knowledgeable than you who can give you a, a, to obey, to flourish. Yeah, I think that's really helpful. I think inevitably with these two big areas, we both uh, chucked what it tells us about God and some of how it affects our life into the pot already. I think we'll, we'll come back to both as we go through into the second half um, because there's more to say and it is helpful to get practical in these big theological concepts, isn't it, as well? And that's what we're trying to do in these podcasts. But that brings us nicely to Halftime Oranges. And Rachel, over to you. Yeah. Oranges is this. What is your go-to karaoke song? Or what is the song that you sing the loudest in? Like it is almost impossible to not sing loud to when you're listening to it in your home or car. What is your must-sing songs? Adam. Adam. Uh, well, Adam. Okay. <laughs> Mark, I can tell. I was trying to read your face over Zoom, and I I thought it looked scared. But you go for it. However. So 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 whenever it comes on, this would be nine. I'm on top of the world, looking down on creation. That would be my my favorite. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, wonderful song. Probably ages me specifically, but yes, <laughs> there we go. Karen Carpenter. Uh, instinctively, both of us started to sway and wave our hands, though. Like there's there is an instinctive we can't not. <laughs> that's right. Amazing. Um, Jess shared in a WhatsApp group with some friends yesterday a Spotify playlist she'd found called, what's it called? Like Worship Jams or something like that. And she, she put, I dare you to put this on and not tap your foot. And, uh, <laughs> and everyone's going, oh, this is amazing. And this one song got shared, which is like, this is Michael Jackson doing worship. And you listen to it. And it absolutely is like basically 
you know, Michael Jackson was cloned somewhere and gave his life to Jesus and is now <laughs> producing worship music. It's amazing. Um, so some music does have that influence. Karaoke, yes. no, I don't do fine. karaoke. Okay, fine, often, fine. If anyone from Hope who's listening will have heard me say, there's a reason I stand at the front of church and it's so that no one can hear me sing. Uh, <laughs> but uh, in the privacy of my own home, yes. own home or car, um, there are a few songs that would definitely get me singing. I've really enjoyed introducing my daughter to some Oasis songs recently. Good bit oh, of indie. Yeah. So we would often sing She's Electric very loud in the car on the way back from swimming, back when people were allowed to go swimming. And, uh, nice, this, nice. Just the farcical song. Um, but probably the, the songs that I would sing the loudest to in the car would be McFly. Oh, yes. It, it's All About You. Uh, five colors in her hair year 3000 you just can't help but go big and sing along in fact I want to keep myself awake when I drive back from Wales sang as if I was doing karaoke all the way through the McFly Greatest Hits album <laughs> so well, there you go I mean, that's good I mean Blink 182 is more me yeah. but you know get some Blink in there gotta do some Blink 182 but also Bohemian Rhapsody cannot listen to it without absolutely screaming at the top of my lungs and yes. uh and then a little bit of my 80s old la tonight ozzy osbourne i know <laughs> it's like from LA and it's the song you sing in la and it's an la thing there you go i'm i'm eddie van halen as well it's a thing but it's you know i'm just saying so i don't know if singing along counts as <laughs> i don't think that counts as singing but it's fine Anyways, we'd be interested to hear what your guys' songs are that you cannot resist singing along to as we go in. I hope you feel refreshed and uh, are busy looking at the other people you're in the room with and singing little portions of songs too. Absolutely. Particularly if your song is Mark's song, please reach out to him so he knows that there's a whole community of people who sing. (laughs) Yes, podcast at (laughs) hopeharrogate.co.uk. Send us your songs. Uh, or join the Mark Hewitt Carol Car- Carol Carpenter, Karen. 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 I'm showing my age. Karen Carpenter fan club. Um, <laughs> right. And with that, we move to part two. Uh, how does this truth that all things are going to be brought together uh, underneath Christ? How does it affect our daily lives? Man, that's a big question, isn't it? How does it affect how we live? Um, We've talked mystery, we've talked lordship of Christ, uh, the importance of all things. If all things are going to be brought under Jesus, this isn't just the church is going to come under Jesus. It's all things. Um, Anybody got a preference over where we start with uh, anything you're bursting to say and you want to go first? I think we talk a lot about security and peace. I think this is a wonderful verse that's, that, that plays to our peace, knowing that actually that we, we live in a world which scientifically, from some scientists anyway, talk about chaos theory. Uh, we're told that um, we are evolved, that it's genetics that's driven everything. Uh, you know, uh, biology now has become the driver, human race, science uh, and what have you that actually uh, what we are experiencing even now with this pandemic, which is creating chaos, it, it, it itself is chaos, 
we can get caught up into all of that and it does affect our lives we you know from from those who are sick to those that are lonely to those that are trying to deal with young children homeschooling the whole gambit uh, of things this verse tells me that everything is going to be reconciled in him in him and 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 it's not yet i mean hebrews tells us he is still lord but we don't see all things yet under his feet that's why we know the fullness of time referred to uh, in this passage is pointing us somewhere else but there is a time when all of this will come in under the order of christ that reconciliation is going to take place that he is reconciling all things to himself in Christ Jesus. And, and that's just a wonderful peace, a wonderful joy that whatever I'm experiencing, whatever is going on, however painful, whatever loss that incurs, there is a day. There is a day and that's been revealed to us and we can sense it. We can smell it. I believe we, we see it in part but actually there's a day coming when it will be all brought to him. So for me, one of the practical outworkings is to lift my eyes to this hope, this hope that we have Christ in us, the hope of glory. And, and that verse emphasizes it and brings it out for me. Mm. Mm. Yes. And that, and that plays into all sorts of things. I think so one of the big topics in the world at the moment would be the environmental crisis, which is a crisis uh, i would say and absolutely we need to do some things about it yet some of the narrative would be we are going to destroy the world it's all going to part it's all going to end up in disaster when actually i go well no i know that the end of the story is everything is brought together under christ and i believe that god wants his people to be joined up in in that process and so it, it I struggle to go down that that doomsaying sort of path where ah oh, we've all got to panic it's going to be a disaster because I think no the trajectory is set we are going to get all things together under Christ and so it it affects how I operate in understanding that Christ there is a crisis we need to do something but I also believe we can and will and we'll get there because everything's going to be brought together under Christ mm. that would be a practical example for me. And that's that's our dual hope, isn't it? We look back to the resurrection of Jesus and we look forward to to his his coming again when these will be reconciled together in him. That's what that's marks us out as Christians. That is the distinction of the Holy Spirit coming into our lives, bringing new birth is this. No, we have this hope. We have this confidence that this isn't some chaotic random thing that's going on. No, God is orchestrating. God is, is is creating. There is the work of the cross being wonderfully worked through. They're all creation standing on tiptoe to see the emergence of the sons of God. That that's what this is all about, and that gives me hope. So I've got peace, and I've now got hope. So they're two very practical things that we we need. I think this gets crunchy when we start talking about lordship of god because it comes into the does god is god sovereign in control and and deciding everything that happens to us so did god kill my baby you know did he create my baby and then kill my baby because that was what he wanted to do and i think sometimes we 
this this lordship thing we we can go really far down that everything everything that happens was because god decided it to happen and therefore it's something that we just accept because the lord we live in god's world and he's in control and so he's going to do what he wants and so i think i think that's why these discussions are really important when we talk about the lordship of god because there are people out there who are saying god sent this coronavirus and therefore everyone who's you know my gran who died of my gran didn't die but the the you know if my gran is in hospital dying a horrible death because of coronavirus and i can't see her that's because that was god's will for her and there's a there's a a question that i think often we don't talk about is what is the lordship of god now and and what how does that impact what happens to our lives let me just back up a bit you see i think what we tend to do is bit slice God. Mm. And that's a very dangerous route to go down. And so when my first wife, Julie, died, it was about uh, six months in that I actually started to face up to what is the sovereignty of God in this matter? Could I trust that he was sovereign? Yes, we're told that every day is written before one takes place, that God knows my end from its beginning. And uh, I got myself into quite a dreadful state uh, when my dear mother poured out on me how much I had lost at a time of life when children were le- almost all left home and we were now into this freedom of what God had for us and it had gone and she poured her pain on me which I hadn't had until I actually had that conversation and I remember going to God and saying it's all right for Julie because she's with you I can see all things working to good for her but where's the good here and grappled over a few days with this matter and God wonderfully showed me it's because I had put things into compartments Mm. and when I reflect back that God's unchanging character is that he is good and then I look at this issue of sovereignty firstly I start to bring the whole of the character of God into this now that's the first safety place for me Mm. is bring the character of God into sovereignty Mm. and then you have to say Does God control my husband when he says something rude and nasty to me in Mm. anger and in tiredness? Mm. The answer is no. Mm. So something is going on. So we come back to, are we free? Are we just puppets of of God? Well, actually, the the reality is, is that we do have that freedom. Mm. And God does not police every conversation that we have. Mm. So otherwise, I am not accountable, Uh, you know. And so sometimes I like to think when Jesus appeared to Joshua, he says, I am the commander of the Lord's armies. Mm. And I sometimes think, no, God's in command, but doesn't control the minutiae. And Mm. I think there are things that are, what do they say, Adam? I can't think of the word where it is God's determined will, mm. permissive will. There's, isn't there the, the two the two things where 
There are things that God has said, and they will happen. Jesus will come back again. He will. Mm. That is that's a, a certain. There's a certainty, and yet He might speak things over my life that I have to cooperate with Him to mm. get to. And if I don't cooperate to Him, I will not get to Him. Mm. And I can't remember which one is which. I don't know if that helps. But yeah, well, I I think it's really <clears throat> interesting. And thank you for sharing all of that uh, about your wife. I think that has really uh, given a, a new perspective to it for me because I think everyone's journey is so different with it. Yes. Because um, when I when I was diagnosed with cancer, I why was never a question in my head, which I just reflecting on it back. Why wasn't a question? Because I didn't in any way feel that this cancer was from God. I didn't feel like God was like, and now Rachel shall have cancer. In the same way, I didn't feel that God was like, and now Rachel's baby won't exist. I, I never felt that. I felt like I live in a broken world where disease exists. And why would I assume that I wouldn't get one? Uh, and so for, for me, why wasn't a question? Because the way I see the Lord's sovereignty is about he can weave all things for good. And whether that results in my death or whether that results in my in my life, either way, I, I already have eternal life. I have the hope of, of tomorrow. And so his, his lordship of my journey is me walking in obedience next to him. However, it ends up in this life for me, because my life extends much farther than this world. Uh, And I, I, but I've seen so many Christians get stuck on the why uh, because of this question of, of lordship and and I think everybody's journey is different with that question. That yours is different than mine is different than somebody else's. And I, I think it's important to have these conversations as Christians with each other on how we are wrestling with the lordship and our understanding of the lordship of God uh, within our lives. Because otherwise, we can get stuck. We can get stuck. I think there's, there's something as well of our culture trains us in instancy. So mm. you know we we cook using a microwave and we don't grow our own food we go to the shop and buy it and we get what we want unless you're mark unless you're marking in which case you do grow your own food and even make your own pastry we found out that's right uh and uh and so there's something this you lost it uh there's uh but when jesus is telling his parables obviously to and uh, you know an agrarian society where people did grow their own stuff and they were familiar with the seasons and the land and the growth and the harvest there's something of a totally different understanding of time scale and how things work because when you're growing food in the ground you know one day there might be some weeds there uh, but you can chop them up and uh, and if that's the as mark put it you slice god up if you slice that moment up you go well I planted my seeds and now there's weeds there. What's God doing to me when actually pulling the weeds out helps move the soil around and helps, you know, encourage insects and everything else in there that you need. And, you know, there's, there's the bigger picture of, well, you sow seeds and some stuff happens and then it grows up. And that, that bigger picture of sowing to reaping is mm. often much more helpful in our lives than the thought of well if i do this then this happens if i do this mm. then this happens we talked about the danger of the word should in the last episode mm. a should equal b mm. uh, it is a very modern you know, 20th 21st century conception it's whereas you know as jesus is teaching he's and paul is writing they're writing to a world that is slower 
and is mm. used to the undulating path between sowing and reaping. Mm. And I think mm. we can get into trouble when we try and just rip out stuff and go, well, it should work like this in my world when that's mm. not the world or the concepts they're teaching within. I think mm. Cutting God up and cutting segments of time up, both really dangerous in this idea of mm. Jesus as Lord. Um, mm. And also the longness of it. So like there are also times, you know, we're talking about God revealing himself over thousands Lydia. of years, you know, that sense of I, I am a very small part of God's large story of the world. And, and my, the, the center of his purpose for my life might not be me and might be others. and might be how I parent my kid who parents his grandchild who needs to have fruit and how he saw me do this. And, and this sense of the bigger than me, the, the Lord yes. is bigger than me. And the interconnectedness therefore too is not only are we used to things happening instantly, we're used to it all being about me and the individual. Whereas if we have a, a more corporate uh, extended family, l- longer picture, that means that we're prepared to accept that some things now might actually not, as you were saying, Rich, not see their fulfillment for decades or centuries, but something in the grand weaving of God's plan has worked out that way. I think you've touched on something really, really helpful. And I just want to just want to say something. In saying God is good and the importance of that, because if you lose that God is good, you will not trust that he cares for you. Mm-hmm. Those two are mutually exclusive. And that's why God had to bring me back to the goodness of God. But I just want to say, in saying that, he didn't say that Julie's cancer was good or that her death was good. The Bible is very clear. God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked or in the death of anyone because his creative order was not that we should die. Mm. And I just just want to make that that clear. Mm. And and God does not smile when Mm. someone comes and steals your car. He doesn't smile Mm. when your child is abused, does not smile when you are falsely accused. There is no smiling God on that. But the subject we're talking about, which is grace, means Mm. that there is tremendous grace. If I would turn my heart to him without bitterness, there Mm. is just grace to come into our lives in the midst of of all of that. That's where he's sovereign. Mm. So so the, 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 the stuff that's done to me, the horrors that occur perhaps because of my own, the consequence of my own frailties and sinfulness does not disbar me from a victory in that actually I don't get bitter in in a victory that I can still joy in life and joy in God, even though there's been grave loss and, and darkness. And, and that is, is the sovereignty of God, if you like, towards us that, yes, in the midst of this, he's sovereign because actually he's won. Jesus has won and opened a door for us to receive a grace in our time of deepest need. And and that grace, as we said before, is tangible. It's not just an ethereal, better way of thinking. Mm. Those spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus have knobs on is what the phrase we use. (laughs) We can get hold of them and they are received into our lives. Mm. And I think that helps us a a little bit as well with this thing of the the sovereignty of God and and, and what happens in life. Mm. Mm. It, It feels a little bit like we've, 
meandered our way through this conversation about all things under Christ. It, you know, it's so big, almost so many knobs to borrow Mark's phrase. That you know, which ones will we grasp and and spend some time on? And and almost uh, the practical outworking is well, we we trust that God was with us in our conversation by the Spirit to steer us to the places that the people He knew who were listening were going to need to hear. And that's a very practical outworking for us in this moment, uh, because we've been looking at this phrase, he's going to bring all things, or he's going to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. And the the massive zoom out that that is, we've spent a lot of time over the last uh, nine, 10 weeks looking at how grace impacts us and our everyday lives. But here, Paul won't let us settle there because our receiving of grace is part of something that's so much bigger. It's it's bigger than the earth. It's cosmic in scope and mm. um, and eternal in time frame. And yet his grace is in the middle of that and his grace is uh, intermingled through it all. Uh, and our involvement in it is only by his grace. And that's mm. uh, an incredible place to pause. And it and it is a pause as you look in your scripture, uh, as you look in your, in your scripture, in your Bible, you'll find you've probably got a paragraph break and then it gets into verse 11 and goes on. And we're going to go through to that next time. Um, but I think at this point, it'd be helpful to pray just that God would um, put some of these truths, massage them by grace into our hearts uh, and help us where we can understand and give us peace where we can't. So, uh, Mark, would you pray for us as we come into land today? So I'm actually going to pray a few verses of scripture over us that have literally just come to mind in the last second. Uh, but I'm going to pray this over us because of what we've been talking about, of all things coming together under Jesus. So, Father, we say this. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven on earth, visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Then everything he might be preeminent. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile him to himself, all things whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the cross. Jesus, you are all and more. And we thank you that the cross is the pivot point of all of history and that you are working out all things according to your will and to your good pleasure. And that you are reconciling all things. And Father, we just say thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that leads us into truth. And as we have grappled with these, these topics, Father, we just ask that Holy Spirit, you would bring light onto that which light needs to be brought. But we hold to this extraordinary hope that Jesus, you are holding all things together. And you are reconciling all things to come under your feet. And that one day, one day we will see you face to face. And one day all our questions, uh, all that confused us would be answered when we look into your face. 
So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus. Thank you. It's an eternal hope. And thank you that it brings us into the peace that Jesus won for us on the cross. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Rachel. Thanks both for your contributions and uh, and sharing from your lives. One of the things I personally most value in these times is just the depth of uh, experience that you two are willing to bring out of the walks you've walked with God through your lives. And uh, as someone who's not had cancer, nor lost a wife, nor lost a baby, nor by many measures had something catastrophic happen in their life. I'm incredibly thankful and thank God for your example to me uh, and to the rest of the church family too. So thank you for your uh, grace into going to those places for the benefit of others. Uh, thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. Uh, we are, uh, as I say, finished our first paragraph and uh, next week we'll be moving into uh-huh. verse 11. Uh, we're going to be looking at in him we were also made heirs and uh, that will be uh, I'm sure another fascinating dive into what it means that we receive the glorious grace of God we hope you can join us before then uh, you might like to get in touch with us at the show let us know uh, how you're finding it podcast.hopeharrogate.co.uk we'd love to hear from you we'd also really appreciate a review or a rating uh, on your podcast platform of choice five stars Uh, and if you know anyone that could benefit from having a listen please do send it on to them we really do hope this will be uh, something that would enrich people's walk of faith whoever they are and wherever they are so do feel free to pass it on Uh, thanks to you to the listener for joining us and uh, we pray that God is making his grace more known to you than ever before through these times and we'll see you next time out bye bye guys (laughs) 